Well, uh, we had a great, a great turnout, a great response from last, last message series. And the way we ended that, we even saw a lot of testimonies of God healing people, God activating the gifts of healings in others. And the question was, Pastor Nathan, I just feel the presence of God, but what do I do with this power? What do I do with this, this encouragement? What do I do with this that I'm feeling? And I said, you're right. Now I've got to train you on how to minister those gifts, how to flow with the Holy Spirit. So we're, we're going to be doing that in late January. I'll have a Saturday, a training, a ministry training day to help you guys click and make those next steps. Let the dots begin to connect so that you begin to understand, oh, that's how I do that. So be looking forward to that uh, following our 21 days of prayer in January. So we moved into our new series today. It's called fresh wind. It just feels right. We've come out of this dry place uh, of the year 2020, this uh, so-called pandemic and uh, everything that it came with, all the turmoil, the political turmoil, the, the racial turmoil, the discrimination, the prejudice, everything that 2020 caused to try to bring confusion to the vision that God wants to give each and every individual. So we found ourselves in a dry place. Well, God's not surprised by dry places and dry seasons. It's been, it's, it's been going on for years, thousands of years, and generation after generation. And we can think even back, back to the time of Noah, right? All of humanity was just evil. I mean, they could care less about God. God was so frustrated with, with, the, with humanity that he wanted to just destroy all of humanity. But Noah, one man, found favor with God. Scripture says that he walked, Noah walked with God, and God, condemned, God called him, rather, he called him righteous. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? So uh, God was saying, there, there's finally one man who wants to walk with me, and he is righteous. There's, a, there's something that we need to know about that in our dry seasons, in our dry times. God wants to walk with us. Well, we see a lot of turmoil. Obviously, we know the story. Uh, Noah, a crazy man, again, doing something by faith, looking crazy to the world, built the ark, brought in animals, his family, and there was a flood, 40 days, 40 nights. Finally, it subsided. The earth just swallowed the, swallowed the water. And now we have the Noah generation. They obviously procreated. We have generations that followed. Uh, that's when we come upon the Tower of Babel in Babylon, and so they, or Babel rather, and so they, the humans, the, they were all of one language, all the people had one language, they, they had purposed to get to God their way with their own hands, and so they began to build a tower to, to, to heaven, and God said, wait a minute, this can't be. They were trying to get to God their own way, and God said, no, there's only one way to get to me. You need to know that. You need to understand that as we move forward. So God, what does he do? We see in Genesis eleven six, he says, Behold, they are one people, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. And that's actually really good news. Because in Christ, we are called and purposed to be united in him, fulfilling different functions, but all purposed to be united and going the same direction to do the same thing, to do the impossible in Christ. Not with our own works and our own ways, our own methods, but in Christ we are called to be united for one purpose. And so what had to happen 
what took place during these moments was a fresh wind of faith. Because following this, God scattered the people. He confused their languages. This is why we have uh, Espanol and, and Ingles and Italiano and so, and so all these languages, Portuguese. And so we have all these languages that came about out of this. And people were scattered everywhere until the next, and then comes this next fresh wind. And that fresh wind was faith by Abraham. So many believers, though, find themselves in this place called the doldrums. The doldrums is a place, it's a band around the earth where a northern wind blows southwest and a south wind blows south northeast, and they collide in the band of the equator, and as they collide, the wind literally pushes up, and, and it would be calm, it becomes any sailor, any sail ship that comes through there, and so sailors know we're going to stay away from the doldrums, because if they should find themselves in the doldrums, there is no wind. So they're stuck out there for weeks in the middle of the Caribbean, in the middle of the ocean, hoping, praying that one day the tide will move them towards a place that hopefully the fresh wind would catch their sails and move them onto their destination or at least some destination that will get them out of this dry place. And it's sad that we have believers that found, find themselves and have found themselves in 2020 in the doldrums of life. Because Ephesians 1.30 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with some opportunities to be, get out, be able to get out of the doldrums. No, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now, how's this? How can I end up in the doldrums, yet I am blessed? If I am in Christ, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In Christ, we are spiritual beings with a spiritual book written by a spiritual God who, that instructs us to do spiritual things. Hopefully, I get an amen at some point during this message. Let, so let's talk about how to activate these spiritual blessings that Ephesians 1.3 is telling us about. In Galatians 3.14, remember, we talked about it last week as we ended the last a series Says, it said the curse, the, the curse was on Christ. Christ became a curse because curse is him, anyone who hangs on a tree, which Jesus hang, hung on the cross. He became a curse for us. Why? Scripture says in, right here in Galatians 3.14 that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That, here's the second part, we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit through faith. The Lord blessed Abraham, the blessings of Abraham, remember, the Lord blessed Abraham in all things, in every domain of life, in relationships, in finances, in stewardship of, of, of uh, marriage, in business, in, in his faith life. He blessed him in every domain, every section, category of life that you have, that I have, that Abraham has, that he has been blessed in all things, Scripture says. We do need to realize that not every, everyone has received the promise of the Spirit. But every believer has received the promise for the Spirit. But not every believer has received the promise of the Spirit. Which explains why so many believers have this frequent 
visitation, this frequent vacation that they take to this place called the doldrums, this nice little place in the Bahamas, when they think they're vacationing, but the, real, the reality is they're just stuck in a dry place with no one around and not understanding, how do I get out of this place? It's because they have received the promise for the Spirit, but they have not received the promise of the Spirit. And so how do we receive this? The real issue for, for, the, for our faith is the fresh wind of our freedom. The real issue, the fresh wind of our freedom, is faith. So what does this even mean? What does this thing mean? What is, what is faith? Let's build up from, from John 8. John 8, 31 says this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Okay, there's some abiding. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hmm. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Uh, do you remember Egypt? How about Babylonia? Uh, Persia? Three times over, we're in bondage, enslaved. Oh, we're Abraham's descendants. We, we've never been in bondage to anyone. And here's the case for believers that don't realize, even after receiving, believing that statement, that making that statement of faith that I believe in Christ Jesus, there are many struggles yet that we have to work through. And we may say, well, I've never been in bondage. I'm not in bondage now. But let me just say, whenever something pokes at you or something hits your little hot button or something happens that's outside of your control and your wants, boom, all of a sudden, there is evidence of you being in bondage because there is a freedom issue that you are dealing with and you've yet to become, yet to become free in Jesus. So those hot buttons begin to reveal an area of bondage in our lives. John 8, 37, 44 says this, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, uh, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham, he didn't do that. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Now they get all spiritual. Oh, no, it's not Abraham. It is Abraham. It's not Abraham. It's God. God's our father. Continuing, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you'd love me. For I proceed forth and came from God, nor have I... Ha have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him, when he speaks a lie, get it, he speaks from his own resources. Remember, it's not the, pro the, the pain that we have in our lives is not the problem. The, the problem is the message that's inside of the pain. He speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. And this is the problem with many believers. We think we're hearing and following God. We think, oh, no, 
God is my father or Abraham is my father, but in the reality is our behaviors and our actions and our mannerisms of life, our customs actually reveal that we may be listening to a different father. And that's how an orphan spirit works. A child often carries the likeness of the parents. But if that child has not received the love that the parents are giving them, then they begin to act like an orphan of a child without parents. They're acting in rebellion. And in the same way, an orphan looks nothing like its adopted parents because it's carrying traits, the DNA, of its, if it, of its birth parents. Unless that adopted child receives the love that the adoptive parents are giving and that adoptive child chooses to receive that and then conform to the likeness of its adoptive family. And in that case, that, that orphan is no longer an, adore, an orphan. It is now an adopted son or daughter. Follow me. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit of bondage is revealed in every area that we are not looking like the Word of God, the Father, that He is the, our Heavenly Father, and our spiritual Father, which is Abraham. So in every area that we're not walking out faith, that orphan spirit is rearing its head up, and it's looking like an old man, an old flesh, someone completely different than God the Father, God the Son, and our father of faith, Abraham. When I, when I, as adopted children, we are purposed to look more like our father, more like our, 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 our father Abraham in the spirit, uh, more like our heavenly father than we are our earthly fathers. Because our earthly fathers, as earthly fathers, we have limitations, we have caps, we have ceilings. But God the Father has no ceiling. Abraham, our father of faith, had no ceiling according, according to God. We are the earthly parents called to do all we can to lead our children to the true father. Like I said earlier, when I pray with Naomi and I pray with little Nathan, I tell them how much I love them, how much I care for them, how much I have passion for them. I pray the prayers that we prayed over our children before we were having children. We pray that Naomi would be a little worship leader, that she would be uh, charismatic and spontaneous, and that she would be filled with the Spirit and leading God's people into worship. We pray that little Nathan would be a communicator for the gospel, that he would, he would be also spontaneous, charismatic, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and leading people by, from the platform. Let me tell you, uh, Naomi loves to sing, and Nathan is a, not only a worshiper, but he loves to communicate. He loves to talk. And I prayed these things still. But I still, I finish it with, but you have a loving heavenly father. And he loves you way more than I could ever love you. And one day, you're going to look to him as your father. I pray this every day. Every day I pray for them. I remind them, nope, there's somebody else. There's somebody else. I, 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 am, I am a human. I have errors. I, have make, I make mistakes. So I want them to take their eyes off of me. But yet... I want to exemplify and live the life, the best life I possibly can so I can model what the Heavenly Father's love looks like towards them. Y'all catching me? That's my whole role. I'm just stewarding what belongs to God. My children do not belong to Allie and I. We are stewards of our children. You are stewards of your children, leading them to the Father. 
The way we lead them is through an example. Okay. So these Jews may have been descendants of Abraham, but they weren't children of Abraham. I don't know if you caught that during that message, that passage. If, in fact, they were children of Abraham, Jesus said they would do the works of my father. You would be doing the works of Abraham, rather. If you were his children, you'd be doing the works of Abraham. What are these works of Abraham that Jesus is saying that we should be doing and need to be doing? In John 6, 29, they asked Jesus, what are the works that God requires? What are these works? And Jesus answered them and said, said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who has, he has sent, whom he has sent. What does that even mean? What kind of work is that? What, is that? what does that look like? This word believe means to fully entrust oneself, to have complete faith towards a, a person or a thing or completely to rely upon. That's what Jesus meant in all areas, in all domains of life, to completely, faithfully believe, to have complete faith. I'm entrusting everything in me on you, Jesus. Whatever you say, that's what I'm trusting what is faith, though? Oxford Language Dictionary says this, faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Okay. Two, it says strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on the spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Wait a minute. Religious, religion causes us to have strong belief in the doctrines of a religion. This can't be or. My doctrines of faith must prove that God, who the real God is, it is in line with what God's word says he is. If my strong belief in God must, must be changed in order to fulfill my doctrines of religion, well, I'm in bondage. If I'm following doctrine, a doctrine of religion over God, who God's word says he is, then I'm in bondage to religion. I'm a spiritual orphan, but if my faith is strong belief in God and my doctrines prove that, then the doctrines get into alignment with what God's word says. You hearing me? Based on the spiritual apprehensions. I mean, I don't have to see it. I don't need to see it to, to have proof. I believe it. I trust it. If that's what it says, if that's what he says, I'm all in. Obedience does not need understanding. Understanding is great to fulfill what I've found that I need to do, but obedience is, I just do it. Yes. Faith. Let's look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. says, faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and for the evidence of things not seen. Okay, that'll, okay. I don't see it. I'm hoping for it. I believe it's going to happen. What does that look like fleshed out, though? Scripture tells us that Abraham is the father of faith. So let's let Abraham's life show us what a life full of faith, remember the works of God, the belief in Jesus really means. Because that's what Jesus said, if you love me, then you do the works of Abraham. Now the Lord said, had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to, land, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your, names great, your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, it looks like if we do it Abraham's way, the father of our faith, we're going to be blessed, and all the nations are going to say, whoo, 
They blessed. So Abraham, Abram departed. Remember, his, first, his name was actually Abram in the beginning. This is not a typo. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he finally moved out of mommy and daddy's house. So have, have hope for those 30-year-olds that you have in your home that one day they will indeed move out. Abram was 75. Culturally, that was normal. They would live on top of each other's house. So it, it, that joke really is just humor, all right? But number one thing that we see that Abram shows us what faith is to believe the works of God is faith is obedience. Faith is obedience. Hebrews 11:8 says this, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of his mommy and daddy's house out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Obedience is showing that you truly believe and are willing to risk everything for that belief. That's faith. It's when you are called to do something, you will have to go after it. You'll have to go after it. You'll have to, but you won't have to fight to take it. You just receive it. Yes, you will have to fight to allow God to change some stuff in you so that you look different than you. Yes, you will have to fight to become fearless in the face of, 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 of boundaries, of old boundaries, of bondages, of lies of the enemy. Some things that he's like, no, I don't know if I can do that. No, you're going to have to become fearless to go after it. But when you've done all of that, all you have to do is walk in and receive it. In the world, we, we fight, we bite, we manipulate, we control, we elbow, we gossip, and we try to fight to take it. In the kingdom, you don't have to. You just have to overcome you and do everything that God is calling you to in obedience, and then you just walk in and God puts it in your hands. Receive. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, They're the heirs with him to the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He left one kingdom, the kingdom of his genealogy, the kingdom of his family, and he left looking for a new kingdom. I'm about to open your eyes a little bit. This call for Abraham to leave his native country is a salvation-like experience. Because he, was, he left a domain, a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of custom, the kingdom of comfort, a kingdom of, you know what, this is just how we do it. This is my family, and here's, here, here's who we are, and, and here's who I am. This is just how I was born, and, and I'm just going to be that. That's how God made me. You've heard that excuse, right? And he trusted God in obedience, and God was moving him to a new kingdom, a kingdom that God had for him, a place that God would bring him blessing and favor and this is exactly how paul describes being born again colossians 1 13 says for he rescued us from the domain of darkness uh, you are in the domain if you are if you are not in christ you are in the domain of darkness if you have been in, come to christ you have been pulled out of the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son that's a lot to be happy about. But when God sees our obedience to his word, his ways, and his voice, he accounts us with righteousness by faith. Matthew 7, 24 and 27. You've all heard this, likely, whether you've been in church a few days or, or a few years. Jesus says, the man who hears and does the word, he's dividing 
hears and does the word is like a man who builds his house on the rock. And when the storms come, the floods come, it hits the house and nothing moves. But the man who hears the word and does nothing is the man who's been built on the beach. And when the storm comes, the tide rise, the sand's there, and you just get that washout. And this is why so many people, so many believers are in the doldrums because we're living, we're hearing, we say we're believing, but we're not obeying. We're hearing a lot of good word. Boy, I went to Thrive Community Church and Pastor Nathan brought the word. Shakivia was just preaching. I tell you, I just some good word. What are you going to do? I don't mean nothing. They, they, they taught it. I, I sat there under it. What else? I believe it. Hears and does is the man who's built on the rock in every domain of life, every area, in my finances, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my business life, in my faith life, in every domain, every sector of life that you have, it has to be built with hearing and doing from the Word of God. All belief in God from, from a faith standpoint must be proven through obedience. That's what you agreed to when you said, I believe in Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. It was, I agree to show that through obedience to his word and what he is saying in his ways over my ways. And in every area those things don't align, you are in bondage and there's an orphan spirit that still rears its little head up when you don't like what's going on. I'm going to show you what faith is today. Faith is generous. Genesis, the next thing we see happening in Abraham's life, our father of faith, Abram, Genesis 14, 18, says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. They had communion. He was the priest. He was a king and a priest of Salem. Salem means peace. Anybody that's connecting any dots? He was the king of peace, and he was a prince of peace. He's the priest of peace. Okay. Of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be most God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Look at this. Abraham's family was ravaged and everything was stolen from them. Abraham said, said, No, you don't. I'm going after it. Abraham goes out and he says, God delivered your enemies into your hand. He didn't even have to fight that battle. He just said, Come on. It was delivered. He just received because by faith, he went back after it. And here's what happened. And he gave, Abram gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. He gave him a tithe, the 90, I mean, I'm sorry, you, uh, you may not know this. The 460 years before the law, the tithe existed. This was a faith act. The law grafted in the tithe because of the hardness of humanity's heart. The tithe is a test for you and I to say, will you trust God? God's saying, do you trust me? Every time you see 10 in the Bible, it's a test. The 10 commandments, test. The 10 plagues, test. The tenth, the tithe, that's what tithe means, 10%, test. It's a test of your heart to say, do you truly believe in me? Do you truly have faith in me? Do you truly believe that I am your, prov your provider? So, G so Melchizedek, it's either he was, a, he was a Jesus himself or he was a type of Christ. Many theologians believe that he was Jesus that showed up. Scripture says that he had no beginning of days, no end of days. He had no mother. He had no father. 
He just was. And he just showed up. And Abram, honoring that, seeing that, said, hey, I'm giving you 10% of everything I'm going to tithe to you out of faith. Who's our father of faith? Abram. Because it's an unchanging principle. It's a kingdom unchanging principle. Genesis 14, 21, here's the adverse to that, because there's only two roads. There's no in-between road on this thing. When it comes to generosity and by faith, when it comes to returning to God what belongs to him, there's the road of faith, and there's the road of unbelief. A spirit, an orphan, will never give from his place of reserve. He's always going to hold on to it because he's afraid he may never have enough. She may never have enough. I got to keep on, I got to hold on to this. Not realizing what they're actually committing to and the voice that they're actually following. Look at this, Genesis 14, 21 and 23. Now the king of Sodom, I'm going to let you guess who the king of Sodom is, said to Abram, oh, you give me the people. I'll let you have all the good for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord. I worship the Lord. I will not. God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. And Satan, the king of Sodom, is always trying to step in and confuse and take the glory that belongs to God in every situation. Here's what he just said. The king of Sodom, that's Satan, says, hey, you give me the people. Let me, let me put, you in, put this in the culture. You just keep on promoting abortion, which is sacrifice, sacrifice to me. And I'm going to give you will. I'm going to give you welfare. You give me the people and I'll give you the goods. That's what it is. He's always trying to take the place of God in our lives. He wants to convince us that to not have concern for others so he can deceive them and us. Don't worry about others. You let me have them. You just move on with your, with your riches. And for so many, they think the Lord is blessing them. And really, it's a favor of deception coming from another. And it's proved by the heart of the individual. It's proved who they listen to because of how they live out. Are they doing the works of Abraham or the king of Sodom? The tithe is God's method to teach the believer to have faith that God is the one who supplies all of the needs for the faithful. The orphan spirit was, doesn't tithe, I'm not sure I'm gonna have enough. There was a pastor in North California who had a testimony, they, they adopted two siblings and they already had two kids of their own. And so they invited these orphans into their home, their adoptive or orphans, and they would watch night after night as, as these orphans, the adopted children, would just scarf everything down real fast, as fast as they could, and then they were stuffing bread into their pockets. Night after night, they would find food in the bed, under the bed, under the mattress of these kids. Because an orphan doesn't realize that in the father's house, there's always going to be enough. The orphan says, no, I got to hold on to everything that I get because there may not be enough for me one day. And that's what the orphan spirit convinces us to do. And if, the, if generous people have no problem with this message, the people who have a problem with this message are those who have an orphan spirit that is leading their decisions making. I'm just bringing it to you. Your whole aspect in life and faith towards God will shift when you begin to trust God in this 
test. Look at this, Malachi 3, 9, 3, 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. He says, you can test me. This is the one place that God says we can try him or we can test him. He says, test me now in this, and see if I will not open up, open, see if the Lord of hosts will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Again, all I got to do is act by faith, and then I receive the more than enough. See, an orphan will never understand that. There will never be enough for me. There will never be enough for my family. There will never be enough to provide for my, my, my bills. Until you begin to trust God and test God in that tithe, saying, you know what, God, you're my provider. You're my daddy. You're a good father. You'll never let me down. We sang it. We sang it. We, work, we sing the songs. Oh, it's fun whenever it's, it's a song and cancion that we can sing and just shout and praise. But when, it, when the rubber starts to meet the road a little bit and faith has to step up and answer and respond to the words in which we sing from our heart, whoo, there's a gap. We've got to close the gap, though, because if we're going to be believers in Christ, if we're going to, if we're going to be part of the change in this world, don't, don't think the government's going to do it. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then he will hear from heaven and he will heal the land. Don't look for an official to get something done that it's your job and my job to get done. When the church starts to rise up by faith and be who we're called to be, doing the works of God, doing the works of Abraham, then the world changes with it. It's a faith thing. It's a spiritual thing. But we got to get it. And then when we walk, we're walking in faith as our bloodline calls for, all we have to do is believe, obey, and receive. And then God does the work before us. Look at this. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the, the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Isn't that nice? All I got to do is show my faith. Respond to the test. He pours out the window, window, pour opens up the windows of heaven. I'll have more blessings than I can actually keep in a storehouse. And then he rebukes the devourer. It looks like, and it feels like, and there's domains, there's areas of our life where something, for some reason, in this area of my life, I can't get it right. Every time I try, things just get jacked up and it gets worse off than it was before. It might be that we're not stewarding our relationships, our finances, our marriage, our business, our faith life the way that God's word intends for us to steward because it all belongs to him. And until we start to do it his way, there is a devourer that is messing up that domain of life. But when we start to steward it his way, he rebukes the devourer and the blessings start to flow in those areas of life. This is really good. This is really, really good. Number three, faith is visionary. Faith is visionary. Genesis 15, 1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. 
saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Verse 5 says, Then he brought him outside. God brought Abram outside and said, Look towards the heaven and count the stars. If you are able to number them, he said to him, So shall be your descendants. People of faith should always be making time to envision. We should be envisioning a better reality, a greater reality. God, what does your word say? What do you say? Lord, what is your spirit saying about these sections, these areas of my life? What is your word saying about this world? What are you saying? What are you saying about my family? And as we do this, God begins to reveal and show us things, whether it's through the word or through his voice, through revelation. He begins to reveal things that he is asking us to do to follow through obedience. He says this, and he believed in the Lord. Remember, belief in scripture is followed with obedience. And he accounted it, the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. The righteous will live by faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing what? Faith is increased. So as I hear and I'm listening to the word of God, my faith is increased. And as I'm hearing what the Lord is saying, I am starting to get vision for things I didn't before understand or maybe even had no idea that could be possible. Faith increases by hearing the word of God. Isaiah 26, 3 says, a perfect peace he keeps whose mind is stayed on him. So if my, if my mind is out of peace and I'm wrestling in these doldrums, it's because in some area of my life, I am not trusting God the Father to be who he says he is. And with COVID-19 comes through and I'm stressed out and I'm wrecked and my, my, my tensions are high and my family's messed up and my finances get out of order and I'm out of peace, it might be because my mind has not stayed on him. Scripture says this about vision. He says, where there is no vision, people perish, Proverbs 29, 18. If I am perishing and I feel like I'm flailing and I feel like I'm in the doldrums, it's because I don't have vision for what I should be doing and what God is calling me to do. So I should be envisioning. I need to have something that lifts my hopes up, gives me bigger eyesight, gives me a bigger perspective on what God wants to do. I got to take it off me. Can somebody get unselfish in this place? Number four, oh, sorry, Philippians 4, 8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Oh, man, all hell's breaking loose in my family. All hell's breaking loose in culture. This world, I don't know who's going to be the president. Culture is just going away. They're going to do these vaccines with everybody. If I start to see it and look through the lens of true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue, if I start to meditate on these things that's praiseworthy, all of a sudden, because I envision by faith, I am seeing things from God's perspective, and all those things that I thought were problematic, I'm getting answers from the kingdom of God to be brought down to the kingdom of earth. Because the Lord says, when you pray, pray this way, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I got to see, I got to, scripture says I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm not, in, I'm not in the middle of Thrive Community Church. You are seated in heavenly places right now. So I need to look around at heavenly places and bring that into nature. 
Spiritual eyes got to be open. Number four, faith is covenant relationship. Covenant relationship. In several, there's six verses, we see this. It was accounted to him for righteousness. And then in James 2, 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to say, man, when I see Mark, I see, that's a friend of God right there. When I see Kevin, whew, when I see Garen, that is a friend of God. Believe in they just hear God and believe, obey, and they're, they're after. That's, a, that's somebody who walks with God. Who, what did they say about Noah? He walked with God, and the world was changed because one man walked with God. Jesus says, will I find anybody of faith when I return? He's saying, it's on us. It's on the church to be the church. Humans have contractual relationships. God says uh, it's relate covenant relationships by faith. Faith is covenant relationships, but humans have contractual relationships. That means if you don't do your part, I'm out. Oh, you, I'm going to bring 70. You better bring 30 or I'm out. If you, if you don't do what you said you're going to do, mm -mm, this marriage, this friendship, this everything, we'll cut it. We'll head down to the, I hope I can still get an annulment. I don't want the divorce on my papers. I'm out. Things don't look the way I want it to, I'm out. But God says by faith, faith-filled people live in covenant relationship. Covenant relationship is where I bring a hundred when you can only bring ten. When you can only bring three, I bring a hundred. A covenant relationship is two people bringing a hundred and a hundred percent every time. That's covenant. That's marriage right there, by the way. That's what marriage looks like. And Genesis 15, 17, and 18 says this, And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those people, pieces. I'll explain that in a minute. And the, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, descendants I have given this land. Now, this is a covenant-cutting ceremony between God and Abram. This is a picture of a water baptism because we're, this is a cutting away of the fleshly desires, the old man, because when you're baptized, the old is gone and behold, the new has come. There's a cutting away of our fleshly desires. And in ancient times, whenever two parties were going to have a covenant relationship agreement, they would cut body parts, they would cut animal parts, sacrifice them, lay them open in halves, and open them in a row, and the two would link arms, and then they would make a covenant relationship. It was a blood sacrifice, agreeing to that no matter what happens until death, they will be in covenant with one another. That's why scripture says, don't look to the left nor to the right, but stay steadfast, stay straight, because anything outside of that is leading to death. That's really good. It, like, eyes should be getting opened right now. But here's what happened. Abram, and this is exactly what was going on in Genesis 15, 9 through 6, and as God was telling him to lay open these halves, Abram said, I know what we're about to do. We're about to have a covenant relationship. But God says, no, yeah, you go ahead and get the pieces ready. And right when they're about to make this covenant relationship, Abram is knocked out in the spirit. God put him into a deep, deep sleep. 
And then what showed up, if you'll go backwards one, what showed up was a smoking oven and a burning torch. Who is that? Where does the bread of life come from? Jesus says the Father. And what does bread come from? An oven. And who is the light of the world? So as Abram was knocked out in the dust, the Father and the Son show up and they make their way through these two halves that have been sacrificed and slip, slit open. And the two, the Father and the Son, come together. They make a covenant relationship. They did it because God knew Abraham was an earthly human being. He had nature. He had a sinful nature. And he would never be able to hold up to his part. Do you know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped in and God the Father and the Son made a covenant relationship. And Jesus took what we should have taken, but instead he took it because we are earthly sinful individuals and we can never hold up to the covenant. I hope God moves y'all in your sleep. So in the same way, passing through the waters of baptism signifies a type of death to old self. And this is what they were saying. It's no longer, it's going to be different from here on out. And faith, when you walk in Christ, faith is saying, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different from here on out. I'm making a covenant relationship with God. And believers are to make a covenant relationship with each other. Because we're the body. We're different members, fulfilling different parts, but we're one. So we're in covenant with God. That's the part of the cross up, and we're in covenant with one another. But so many believers live in contract. If you don't do what, you're, what I want you to do over here, you're out. I'm out. I'm not going to stick with this. No way. Five, faith is empowering. In Genesis 17, we actually get a picture of the first Holy Spirit baptism. As God, as God gives Abram a name change and empowers Abram with his spirit. I want you to see this in Genesis 17, 5. God says, no longer shall your name be called Abram. Here it is. But your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Here's what that looks like. God changed Abram's name, took Abram, split the A and the M, took Abraham. And this word is actually an H. There are no vowels in the Hebrew language. That's for us. So the H is actually, the sound of that is ruah. Ruah in the Hebrew is spirit, life, spirit, wind, and breath. It's the spirit, wind, and breath of God. So God takes Abram. He says, now I'm going to put my spirit in you and upon you. And your name will no longer be Abram, but it will be Abraham, the breath of God. This sound is the breath of God moving upon Abraham. And this is the same thing that happened in Genesis 1 when the Ruah of God was surrounding all of the earth and was forming it. It's the same thing, in, same thing in Exodus 31 when God said he has given a man, a skilled craftsman, the Ruah of himself so that he may help build the tabernacle. He would be full of skill, wisdom, and understanding. This is the same breath, the same thing that God did in all around the, uh, the Old Testament, we see this word, ruah. But in Abraham, the father of our faith, is the first that we see. He's the forerunner of those being baptized in God's spirit. 
And God was not only just changing his name, God was changing his identity as well. And this is when God, then Abraham became the actual father of our faith, the one who we should also be emulating according to Jesus Christ because he is giving us an example of what real belief, what real faith in Christ actually looks like. Not our Western culture, Western hemisphere understanding, but this right here. And God breathed on him and Abraham became the forerunner. But look at this, some of you. The bonus round is this. As soon as, go back. As soon as God put his spirit on Abraham, faith transformed his family. Because not long after that, Genesis 17, 15, as Sarai, your wife, you as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. He changed her identity. He changed our name. Because when Abraham was humble enough to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God also changed his wife. You'll need to note, when God changed Sarai to Sarah, there's a little shift. See, Sarai had to get the eye out. And if we're going to receive the promise of the Spirit, that's how we started this out. If we're going to activate the blessings of God in our lives, where we're struggling in these doldrums in different domains, if we're going to activate those blessings that are promised to us and receive the promise of the Spirit and not just for the Spirit, then you're going to have to get the eye out too. But a prideful, self-centered individual that will never humble themselves to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was 24 years. Many of you, many of you husbands are waiting for your wives to change. Well, if she just quit nagging, she just change. But what we see is the moment Abraham received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the moment he changed, the moment his identity changed, oh, the wife changed too. Men. Here's another bonus. It wasn't until Abraham and Sarah were filled with the Holy Spirit that God, God began to bless them with the promise. And it was then from 75 to 99, 24 years, until they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that they actually had their son, the promised son, the promised lineage, Isaac himself. There's a lot to be had in that. Because many of you feel like, why am I so complacent? Maybe you heard God on some things and you're like, why are these things not happening? Why is everything just seemed so doldrum-like? And I thought there's supposed to be blessings. I thought there's, I am, I am, I have every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. What is the problem? God, isn't that funny how we want to blame God? And God's saying, I, I gave you an example got too much eye in you for me to pour into you and an orphan spirit will never allow himself to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he doesn't trust the Father he doesn't want to conform to the love of the Father and that's what the Holy Spirit does 
empowers, brings the ability, the empowering grace to conform to the image of Christ. And the blessings, the promises begin to flow. And all we have to do, you don't have to fight for it anymore. You don't have to struggle to get it. You just receive it. And it's the same way, the same way with the Holy Spirit. God says in Luke 11, he says, if you being evil fathers, parents, give good gifts, how much more will your, will your Father in heaven give to those who ask? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And he's talking to believers. So how about we just get humble a little bit? How about we get out of the doldrums? How about we get a little bit of empowerment? How about we just give up doing it our own way? How about we walk in that covenant relationship that's straight ahead, that's blessed? Scripture says, I will bless those who bless you. It says that the nations will call you blessed. There's avenues of faith that God has laid before us, and he's just asking us to walk in them and receive the blessings. You're spending your emotional energy struggling and striving and fighting to get the things of life that you think you want or you think you should have, but if we'll just do it God's way, we just walk in it and receive it. The only battle is in the change within. It rises up. But when we just let go, it's no longer my will. Oh, gosh. God, I can't do this anymore. I need your help. When humility starts to take over, when we get the eye out, we say, Lord, I want everything that you come with. Scripture says if we just ask, then he'll give. So right now, Father, I just thank you so much for all that you do. And I want to ask all of you to just be in that place and ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit. What are you saying to me? Father, right now, for everyone who's willing to get rid of the eye and to just be open to receive you, who's willing to stand in agreement, Father, will you bless us with your Holy Spirit? Will you bless us with the promise of the Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit, have your way with us. Come, Holy Spirit. You might feel light. You might feel like your chest is just wanting to explode. You might feel little warm fuzzy going on when I finally gave up 
when I finally gave up my way and I said, Holy Spirit, I want everything that you come with. Father, if there's anything that I've been missing, I want to open myself up to receive. Jesus said even that my people will speak in a new language. Jesus said this. So Lord, I said, Holy Spirit, if, if there's a language you want to give me, I'm open to receive that. And I begin to feel this unknown language rise up from my chest. And I remember feeling so awkward and I was alone and no one was even watching me. And I didn't understand it. So I felt, oh my gosh, this is so weird. What's going on with me? But Lord, I want everything that you come with. And I don't want to restrain you or restrict you in any way. So come Holy Spirit. But he didn't force me. I had to yield my mouth, yield my tongue, and just let it begin to bubble up. And I felt the empowerment that came with that. God gave me vision for my life to begin to obey in new ways. The tithe was no longer a problem. He showed his blessing. He opened up the windows of heaven. He showered blessings on my life since then. He gave me vision. And today he's fulfilling that vision. Yeah, I got to die to myself. And every adversity that I had, it points back to me dying to my own desires, my own wants, the selfishness that still wants to rise up inside of me. I got to die. The selfishness that disturbs my marriage, gotta die. The selfishness that wants to mess up my finances, gotta die. The selfishness that wants me to snap at my kids, gotta die. The selfishness that wants to veer me away from God's calling, gotta die. And every time I die to myself, God pours out a new layer of blessing. I realized finally, if I just listen and do everything, everything that he hands me just turns to blessing. And it doesn't matter if it were to fail because God's got me. He's always going to guide me. He's always going to guard me. He's always going to protect me. And he's always going to navigate life as long as my heart stays humble and obedient and willing to his perfect path of peace. Good Lord, help me. So come Holy Spirit. Have your way with us today. And for those of us who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit already, Lord, I just pray for a fresh in feeling of your spirit, of your presence, to move people out of the doldrums and in to the methods, the paths of life that you called them. Lord, please bless them. Give them understanding for how they've injured, ended up in this place, already being filled with your presence, Father. And Lord, we just pray for this empowering grace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.